This is Your Daily Pass. You're here with Courtney Passfield and Fiona Daly. Our goal is to share stories of people just like you and me, the ones that inspire us, motivate us and wow us with their resilience. And let's just say, breaking down stigmas along the way. guys jumping in really quickly yes we are interrupting this episode that has not even started yet to tell you about something we are super passionate about exactly the real mates talk campaign is something that everybody should go and check out yes check it out it is all about mental health we all have mental health it is aimed towards the guys but girls there is stuff there for you as well so jump over and check out their socials or realmatestalk.com.au exactly and make sure you share it with the friends they talk about relationships they talk about financial agricultural there is so many different range there's something there for you exactly check it out if you feel like you're struggling please know that there is always someone there for you yeah reach out exactly we are sending big love to you all yeah peace Courtney, another special episode this time. Yes, yes, yes. This one we've been really excited about. We spent some time with Philippa and we did a course. Yes, that's and exactly right. And we, just, we literally just, start, well, we were like the whole time we're like, we need this for the podcast. Yes. We need this for the podcast. And we did it for the salon. When did we do that? Oh, I'm going to say the start of the year. Yeah, let's just go with that. It makes life yeah. easier. But we did it for the salon. We actually closed and everybody went so mm-hmm. that we could all work on mental health yes. first aid yes. um, yeah. and get an understanding of that. So we are so lucky that yes. Philippa has actually blessed us with her time. Yes, exactly, because that's not exactly and, easy. Yes, exactly. And so we really want to thank you for, for sharing your day with us today. My pleasure. (laughs) We're so excited to have you here, Philippa. So I think to get started, just so our listeners, obviously Fiona and I, we just said that we've done your course. Can you explain what you do? Okay. So my background as a psychiatric nurse, uh, but I retired a few years ago and wasn't prepared to stop Mm -hmm. doing what I love doing. And so I decided to branch out and do run mental health first aid courses as uh, as my own business. So that actually I started initially while I was still working with the Mental Illness Fellowship and that's when I did the initial course and that was back in 2007. Okay. Um, and have been providing it either through a workplace or as I have for the last four years doing it for myself but doing it for love, not for the money. Yes. <laughs> Yeah. Can you tell us what exactly is mental health first aid? Well, most people these days have done the physical first aid Mm. where you learn the real basics of how to save a life, how to assist somebody who might have hurt themselves or be having a health crisis to get appropriate professional treatment, whether it's through ambulances or taking them to hospital. So with the mental health first aid, it's very much the same. It's what an individual, just an ordinary person can do when they meet somebody or know somebody who is struggling with a mental health problem of some sort. It doesn't have to be diagnosed, but somebody who needs some help. Most people want to help when somebody's in trouble. If it's a neighbour or a friend or a family member, most of us put our hand up and say, what can I do? Now, people don't always know what's needed. So first aid, whether it's physical or mental health, gives people the information and the tools so they can be of good assistance. So with mental health first aid, it's about, first of all, recognising when somebody is having problems, 
finding a good way to provide assistance to that person and giving them support to get professional help if that's what's needed at the time. Yeah. And it does save lives. Yes. Oh. It's so important. I think so. I mentioned it when we were actually doing it. I was like, why is like, you know, why do we not do this? What? Yeah, exactly. In exactly. Or, exactly. Yeah. exactly. You must get told that all the time. Yep. Yep. Yeah. And the great thing is that mental health first aid has grown and developed because it fills a gap that so many people recognize. So it started off as being a community response. But now there is mental health first aid in schools where mm. school children in the senior schools are supported to provide assistance to their peers. Now, this doesn't mean that they do the same course as an adult because we can't put that on yeah. to a young person. But it helps them to know when their friends are in trouble and to know how to link them up to an adult who can provide that ongoing uh, professional support if that's what's required or just to give support and assistance yeah. through what might be just a difficult phase the person is going yes. through. Yes, and that's exactly right, isn't it? Those teenage years, they are difficult. Oh, exactly. And they can mould and shape you in so many, you know what I mean? Those years of yeah. your life do so much moulding and shaping. So yeah. it is so needed. Especially for the, the kids to be able to recognise that mm. they need some help and not just go, oh, they're just saying that or they're, you know, yeah. attention-seeking yeah. or any yeah. of those things because it's not, it's, it's yeah. potentially a cry for help. Yeah. And most most of those responses are because people actually don't understand what mental health issues can look like yeah. and can feel like if you're on the inside. So people have a lot of stereotypes which, you know, are no longer true. We know this, but we need to educate everybody from primary school right through into what mental health problems can look like. We're not always talking about illnesses. Yeah. Because mental health, like our physical health, is on a spectrum. You know, we can be physically healthy, we can be mentally healthy. Things happen, our physical health might deteriorate, but so could our mental health. And sometimes those two things go together. Yeah, yes. 100%. Absolutely. Well and truly. And a lot of the time it can be your mental health, you know, going a little quicker too, yeah. isn't it? You know, yeah. than your than your physical yep. health. Yep, yes. that's right. That's right. So um, so because it's on a spectrum, we we need to have a lot of knowledge mm. about what's okay, what's not okay. You know, we go through bad periods. That's just life, isn't it? it throws curl balls at us on occasions. Yeah. And often we can get through them, but usually it's easier with a friend or somebody to support us. Yes. But sometimes that can be several things might come at once or it's a huge thing with major adjustments and it can be a precursor to a mental health problem. But sometimes those problems like physical health problems are just innate and something, you know, that we don't necessarily have a, a identifiable cause for. But like most things in life, it's easier to share them with somebody we trust. Absolutely. Yes. Don't they have a saying, uh, um, a struggle, struggle shared is a struggle halved or something like that? There's yeah. A, 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 yeah, yeah. A, a problem shared is a problem, problem halved. halved. Yes. yes, that's right. And, and there's some sound, you know, logic behind that, but also some sound psychological uh, foundation for it. 
because we know when you verbalize something as opposed to thinking it, we actually can clarify things in our own mind. Yes. We, our thinking tends to become quite, uh, forms quite a lot of patterns. I can never pass exams. Nobody likes me. I'm always useless at that, pro, you know, that thing. Whether it's true or not, over time, we can actually fall into believing those things and yes. just making them carte blanche across all our life. Yes. But actually, when we say them out loud, we think, oh, well, that's maybe not necessarily true because, you know, I did pass that exam or I did solve that problem or actually I've got two or three really good friends, so some people like me. So it's not until we verbalise things that we're always able to spot those inconsistencies between our thoughts and what the reality actually is. Yes. That is brilliant. Yeah. yeah. I mean, you know, they say the same with journaling. You know, they say getting it out yeah. is such a big thing. But when somebody yeah. sits yeah. down and explains it, especially yes. with your knowledge, you know, you, you kind of sit there and listen and you go, hell yeah. Well, and so how well. many times have you yourself thought, had a thought, and then when you say it out, then said, well, that sounds ridiculous, doesn't yeah, it? exactly. Well, why did I say that? <laughs> yeah. Because that's, that's not it. okay. That's not true. Yeah. Yeah. And, of course, you need somebody you trust to be able to be honest with yourself. Yeah. You know, that's the beauty of having having somebody there to hear you, not to sort you out, not yes. to fix your problems, but just to just to have a human being there who hears what you are saying and supports you to work out how to get through that yourself. Yes. And to have that connection too because yes. as soon as you start connecting with people, well, it's normally the the isolation and the loneliness that you know, starts that journey yeah. off, isn't it? So yep. having that connection yep. really helps. And the, the thing about the isolation is sometimes that's one of the things that starts the problem off, but it's also one of the things that maintains the, the difficulties. We find with mental health problems, most people become quite isolated for a whole variety of reasons. Yeah. And therefore they've got no one to talk to. Nobody to share those innermost thoughts with. No one to be vulnerable in front of. Yes. And so people keep all that stuff to themselves because, and that applies particularly to men. Mm, yep. Exactly. Women are, this is a, a broad brush statement, but women are more likely to be a bit more open about their vulnerabilities, mm-hmm. where men, we still have the need for men to show that masculine tough I can cope I can get through this I'm strong yeah we still do have um that sort of expectation of many of the men in our lives Mm. and it's such the old way of thinking you know you just mentioned Fiona said before like oh, if you talk about things, oh, no, she's just, you know, saying it. That's such an old way of thinking. And once again, we've got this old way of thinking too of going, no, men have to be masculine. They don't, you know, they don't feel things. They just, you know. Yep. Yep. That's right. And it tends to be be more so the further away from the metropolitan areas that we move. Yes. Because 
yeah, because it's a tougher life in the mm, country. Yeah. You know, there are bigger things to deal with than, you know, whether or not you're going to get your coffee. Yeah. So, yes. you know, people and, people do need a certain level of stoicism. And then but, there also is that physical isolation too, you know what I mean? In a built-up mm, area, you have a physical person mm, near you a lot yep. more often and someone could smile at you on the train or someone could, you know, yeah, say thank you, you or say something very, you know, quickly or not that really changes and makes that shift whereas when you're physically isolated on these places we mm. you don't mm. have that interaction and that connection with anybody that's right that's right so so who do you turn to then yeah you know who is yeah. there are they are there people you don't have as many choices as the people around you either mm. and so that does make it that much more difficult but these days, of course, technology is there to give us a bit of a hand. Yeah, as we can see here. Yes, yes exactly. exactly. We can do a Zoom meeting and, and have a conversation yes. with you. Yeah, yeah. Oh, mm. it's, it's it's so important, isn't it? And it's so important to share that message that there is someone to talk to. You know, we yeah. um, in town here they've start well, not in town. This in our region, it's called Real Mates Talk, and it's a whole campaign getting people like it basically just lays out all the information if you're in financial distress if you're mm-hmm. in whatever distress mm-hmm. you're in there's it's there for you and i think yep. that's the great thing but it's just getting that message out right now that you can talk to somebody from wherever yeah. yeah, and it's okay to talk to somebody. And we talk about the stigmas. I think there is a shift. Like I think it is yeah. happening, but I think mm. it is also yeah. so deeply rooted within us that when you are in that time, as much as you could be a person to say, no, no, it is okay to talk and it's great to do this and you can be in a, you know, uh, somebody that does it for other people. When you're in that time, it's so deep rooted within us that it is really hard to actually say, oh, hang on a minute. Yeah, I need oh, I need something. help. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And it takes a certain amount of courage mm. to do that, to, you know, make yourself appear vulnerable. And we we tend we tend to look at courage and bravery in a very masculine context. Yeah. But in fact, it is something it's not to do all only with, you know, facing up to danger. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the danger can be emotional danger, mm, and that yeah. takes a really deep-seated type of courage. But it's one that brings huge benefits, not just to the person, but to those that they care about as well, the people around them. Yeah, so true, mm. isn't it? Yeah. And it, like, I'm just gonna get a little share in here that I didn't think I was gonna do. But do you know when I first started having like a lot of mental issues. Yes. Um, Philip about my daughter was born with a uh, rare syndrome. So she's four now, but it's been pretty pretty hot and heavy there. She's had eight surgeries. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, it all sort of weighs down on you. And yeah. I just remember I was just always just like, go, 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 go. No, it's fine. What I'm going through is nothing compared to what she's going through. And it got to a point that I just fell in a hole. And I couldn't, you know, I couldn't get out of bed or anything like that. And it took Courtney and my husband to say to me, what about talking to somebody and and to be open and to be vulnerable to somebody? I was like, oh, I'm not that broken. I'm I'm not that broken. I'll be okay. And I went and saw the GP and she's like, she's really lovely. But to then go and speak to somebody on Zoom, like a psychologist, I was like, this, it's really scary. It's really hard to be vulnerable. 
But then Sorry. afterwards, I pretty much, I think I sat and cried for the first half an hour. But after <laughs> just speaking to her, I walked away and went, this is awesome. Everybody should do this. Mm, and you can absolutely. do it. That was like 8 o'clock at night on a, I don't know, on a Tuesday. So the kids were in bed. I didn't yeah. have anything else going on. But it's just mm. also easy and doable. But you just have to be able to be vulnerable no matter how scary yes. it is. Yes, that's right. And that's where the courage comes in. Yeah. Okay. It's like it's like a lot of things in life. We tend to put them off. I'm the world's greatest procrastinator, <laughs> can I just say. I will put things that make me feel uncomfortable. I will put them off and put them off. And then amazingly, when I actually am forced to do them, they're not so bad after all. Yes. Again, that's that thinking in my head, and I know that, and I have to work hard to overcome it. But it's it's the thinking, oh, this is going to be really hard. I don't know if I can do this. I've never done this before. Yes. And you you put those barriers up there. Where's the evidence? Yes. yes, you haven't done it before. So there isn't any evidence that you can't do it. <laughs> exactly. Okay. So okay. True. Mm. <laughs> so that self-talk that we offer ourselves is often undermining. Yeah undermines us and so one of the things that we can do is to just check our self-talk is that helpful Mm. if it's not helpful I actually have a choice of what I tell myself yes I can turn it around well we don't know let's just give it a go and see what happens yeah this is what we're doing now I've never done a uh, done one of these podcasts before (laughs) okay and you're nailing it exactly Exactly. (laughs) and you're doing amazing so look at that I think that's it I'd love to tell myself no it's not my worst day you know what I mean like I know what my worst day is and it's not that day so it's okay you know, mm, but yep. then it all goes to so bringing back to Fiona there, you do get this sense of guilt because you're like, oh, no, there's so many worse people out there and you're not yeah. trying to put them on a, a ladder or anything like that, but you go, oh, I don't want to take away their time yeah. where they could be saving someone's life or could be helping someone like that, you know, like, oh, but I'm not as bad. But I suppose it's sort of a life. It's a life at the end of the day. Let's yes. state that. Yes. But it's yes. sort of get it when it's a seedling, not a big tree. You know what I mean? It's a lot easier to remove the Mm. seedling than it is to remove the six-foot tree. And Mm. that's the difference, isn't it? Absolutely. And that taking that first step early usually brings about much better results with less collateral damage around you, with your friends and your family who, if nothing else, have been concerned for you, but who may also have suffered, you know, some consequences from you being short or not present with them or yeah and that increases your guilt because you know that you know you haven't been yeah. there for them and so it becomes this sort of perpetuating roller coaster whereas if you can get in early and take that courageous step sometimes you might only need to talk to somebody two or three times yes yeah. just to take the lid off that that cauldron yeah. And then you can go on. Sometimes you might need longer. But whatever it is, you're doing something proactive. That's yes. exactly right. You're no longer the victim of those circumstances. Yes. Yes. Exactly. That is brilliant. And this is where it's so important for us all to learn mental health first aid 
so that we can understand these things and oh. and come at it in a good direction, not like you just like you need help. Yeah, exactly. you know, like come at that's it pretty with aggressive compassion thing. and and look at yeah. those little triggers and go, oh, you know, can yeah. we just catch up for a coffee or can we just catch up for something light and do it when it's a yeah such a small yeah. thing rather than mm. yes. Yes, and that's why, you know, checking in with our friends is really important and checking in with our family members. There doesn't have to be anything wrong. Yeah. But just checking in, how is it going? What are you up to at the moment? What are you having to deal with? Gives them a chance and hopefully they give you a chance yeah. to share some of those small things which, again, once you've spoken about them, start to become a bit manageable. So that's why, you know, human beings are, for want of a better term, they're herd animals. We need other people in our lives and no more so than in in being able to cope with what today is quite a complex way of living. Yes, exactly. And I know Mm. when we did the course with you, um, all of the criteria, I don't know, all of the results and everything, all of the... Mm you know, info that you had was pre-COVID. And I just think it would be so interesting to see, you know, like I remember Mm. the course that we did with you was um, suicide prevention conversations. Yeah. And, you know, and I just think that we saw all those times during the Great Depression and and wars and things like that where there was the the male and the females where they popped up and down there. And I just think I wonder what COVID's going to bring. Is that going to be just off the charts or, I mean, it's it's just scary, isn't mm. it? It is. I mean, we don't have the statistics yet no. because they can take quite some time to come through. Yeah. But anecdotally, we do know that the suicide rate has increased mm. somewhat. We yeah. just don't know. How much is due to COVID? Yeah. Again, we don't know the answer to that yet. Yeah. But certainly we see... We see the levels of distress in people have risen significantly. Isolation has increased. Now, look, we're lucky here in in Queensland, um, particularly once you get away from that southeast corner, as we all are. We've had minimal impact from COVID by comparison to Brisbane or Sydney or Melbourne, you know. They've had ongoing um, isolation that's been enforced because of COVID. Those people, you know, will have some um, consequences for that. Now, some will be positive. People have had to step back and take a rest. Yes. But others are going to be more complicated and potentially more harmful. Yeah. So, you know. The next two or three years are going to bring about some interesting data, I think, yes. on the impact that COVID has had. Mm. Yeah, yeah so it true. just it makes me go, gee, I wish we, you know, mental health first aid was around more, mm. especially in times yeah. like this, because it's potentially not necessarily what all those people are looking for during lockdown, but wouldn't it have been awesome mm. to be mm. in lockdown you know, with your partner or whatever and just to be able to acknowledge these things as they're coming up and to be able to, I don't know, come at it in a way that 
is correct because that's the biggest thing. Like I know yep. when we went into that course, my biggest thing was like, I just want to know I'm saying the right thing. Mm. Yeah. Mm. And, and most people are exactly like that. I don't want to say anything in case I say the wrong thing. Yeah. The reality is just by voicing your concerns, you're doing the right thing. Yeah. You know, the words may not be perfect, but that's okay because the person you're speaking to will know you care enough to actually ask the difficult questions. Are you okay? Yes. Speaking of what's the, happening for you in your life at the moment. Speaking of the questions, like I know one of the questions that, you know, you sort of said to us to ask was, are you having suicidal thoughts? And, you know, in the old way of thinking or, yeah. you know, are you just going to make them think of that now? So now they're going to do yeah. it because you've said that, you know, <gasps> that's, that's yeah, yeah, exactly right. Like that's totally yep. how it is. And so when you, you know, said, no, I want you guys to say, are you having suicidal thoughts? You know, you say that. It was like, whoa, no, like, yep. whoa. Like, <laughs> that was a big that. train of thought of, yeah. of an emotion to go, holy, you really want us to unlock that beast? And you were like, yeah, we do. We want to have that conversation because if they say yes, go to help, or they'll say, no, don't be stupid, and then they'll think you're an idiot, yep. but who cares? You know, like it's yep. sort of. That's it. That's it. And most people, you know, most people will give you an honest answer. Yeah. Mm. Yep. Okay. Not a hundred percent, but most people will give you an honest answer. If they are, they will say so. Mm. If they are, but they say no, at least they know that you're willing to have that conversation. So maybe another time or maybe a bit later, you can ask again, or they might even come to you and say, you know, you asked me if I was feeling suicidal. Well, actually, yeah, I am. Mm. Yeah. You don't know what um, what people are thinking, but you're opening the door to say, I'm actually willing to to be there for you if this is one of the things that you're thinking about. And you're opening the conversation to a deeper yep. level. You know, you're taking it Absolutely. there because they're not going to take it there, obviously. You know what I mean? Like, Well, I no. mean, not obviously, but, you know, it's a very, uh, like you say, hard step to make. So if you're going there in that deep emotional connection of going, are you feeling like this? If not, at least they know you care. That's right. And, you know, the idea that you're putting the thought into people's head is um, is very out of date. Yeah, there's been research all across the world. You know, not just in Australia or even in English speaking countries, but uh, right across the world, looking at this because it it is a concern and it's a legitimate concern. But every piece of research has come back with no. You don't put the idea into people's head because often it's already there. Mm. Yeah, people are not more inclined to act on their thoughts because somebody has asked them. In fact, they're probably less likely to because they now have another avenue to express what they're going through. So people shouldn't be frightened of asking that question. The difficulty is one we're imposing on ourselves, thinking it's a scary thing to ask. Yes. And and in in some ways it is, but it's it's an important thing to ask because it opens up that dialogue. 
And I think, you know, with going to your course, obviously we learnt the further steps, but it mm. is a really hard thing if you ask it and then they say yes and you go, oh, where do I go from here? You know, and you <laughs> yeah. go, oh, geez, I wish you didn't actually say yes. I was just asking, <laughs> you know, yeah. and that's why your courses yeah. are so important. Yes. And, yes. you know, we're so here for it because it is true. You want to have that next step of going, okay. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, so once once you've asked the question and if the person has, has said yes, they are, it's not actually your key to solve their problems. Mm-hmm. It's not, you know, we don't want to feel that we have to have all the answers to life and the meaning of life. What we're doing is we're wanting people to have an opportunity to talk things through themselves. Our first priority after somebody says that they are feeling suicidal, is to try and keep them safe for the time being. Yeah. You know, and that's often as simple as staying with the person. If you're already with them, stay with them. If you're not with them, see if you can go to, to meet them or get someone else to meet them. People will rarely harm themselves when somebody is physically with them. Yeah, yes. wow. And sometimes just spending a few hours with the person will get them through that difficulty. It doesn't solve their problem no. that led them to those suicidal thoughts, but it might get them through that really difficult point where afterwards you can move on to getting some professional help if that's what's required. Sometimes yeah. just having that opportunity to talk things through, to know somebody cares enough, will help that person hugely. Oh, massively. And I think it's you don't even have to have the pressure on yourself of knowing exactly what to say. Yeah, it's course. just being present with that, yep. you know, with that person. Yep. And I think because it is a lot of an expectation that you can put on yourself to go, oh, crap, like if this goes out, you know, like mm. what am I going to yep. do? But it's sort of like yep. you being there is more than what mm. they could probably ask for in that time. That's right. And when somebody is is really depressed and mental illness and suicide tend to go together, not in every single case, but the majority of cases go together. Often there's a lot of depression, sometimes anxiety, sometimes other types of mental illness. But having having that opportunity to actually talk through what's happening to you without the other person, A, trying to fix you, or making assumptions or being judgmental. Yes. That's that's the beauty of the first aid is that you don't have to have the answers. All you need is to be open to hear what the person is saying and to ask them what does that mean? How does that work for you? Because people so often can work things out, but when they're really depressed, their problem solving becomes very restricted. It's like looking through a very dark tunnel and there's not much light at the end. When you get near the end of the tunnel, there's this great big hole of light. Yes. But when you become depressed, you can't see the light. But having somebody there to hear you as you talk through what's going on, not necessarily always to bring up a solution, but just to be heard, it takes that little tiny beam of light and starts to expand it for the person. And then hopefully... They'll find some ways, even if it's just I can see now I need to go and talk to somebody Mm. or I'm not sure I want to talk to somebody, but I think there's some online services that I can go to. So it just opens the person to 
possibilities. Yes, and because, like you say, that's what feels so limitless is you know mm. so limited mm. is the possibilities, and yeah. you know you give them that little bit of a breath of air, you know, mm. just to mm. get through a little yep. bit further. Mm. And sometimes, you know, when you're with somebody, it's about just keeping them safe for the next hour, mm-hmm. yes, the next half an hour, the next ten minutes. You know, sometimes it's not possible to do a big stretch. It's about what's possible for the person. Let's just keep you safe for now. Yeah. And that's why we say now. We don't say for the next day or next two days or whatever. Just for the time being, till we can bring in other resources. Because like physical first aid, the person on the spot is not the one to fix the problems. No. The person on the spot is to try to prevent things from getting worse and get the appropriate external supports in whether, you know, that's a psychologist or the GP or family members, whoever is appropriate, getting those other people in so you're not carrying the burden on your own, sharing it around with other people. And that's so good for the person as well as you. So good. Gosh, It just, it sounds so simple and easy when you explain it like that. Yeah, the way, (laughs) And and it's not. Can I just say, I know it's not. I can make it sound easy. But it takes courage on the first aider's part too Yes, to go does. through this. It isn't co- as complicated as we think it is, but it's not always easy yes. either. Yeah. Persistence is often one of the keys of hanging in there with somebody, not giving up, just waiting, being patient, staying with them, if it's not the right time to go to see the GP or to 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 link up with a, a service, okay, well, let's just hang in there because the right time might be tomorrow or this afternoon or next week. If people give up, when the right time comes, there's nobody to support the person to make that really important step. So, yeah. you know, our persistence, our ability just to hang in there and look let's face it in the country that's what you do well you hang in there yes very few choices but you do you hang in there we need to hang in with each other with these services and look if it gets too hard get in somebody else to give you a hand and you know certainly with suicide if the person you know when we've talked about this through the course has a plan and is actively Um, intent on doing uh, fulfilling their desire to end their life then we may need to get in external assistance and we shouldn't hesitate there because that's a life-saving process as well yes and and I think like you know you talk about that external help and it is so important to talk about because you know a lot of the time we either just take it on ourselves as the helper of the family or as the you know the 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 glue the the one that keeps it all together and and, you know for Mm. your own mental health so even if you're not the person with the suicidal thoughts for your own mental health Mm -hmm. you need to know when you get that extra help like when it is time for you to go okay well we need to get these more external sources because I can't do this on my own absolutely absolutely and the great thing is that there are some terrific um, online and telephone services that are available to people wherever they happen to be as long as you've got a phone connection 
you can call, say, the suicide callback service yeah. where you can get some support, you can get some advice. The person themselves can get the support too to see them through those difficult times, to help to link them up to any professionals that might be really useful to them to see them through. So, you know, there are services out there and we should be confident in making contact with them because that's what they do. They're Mm. experts at it. But they're also driven by compassion and concern. And that's so important. Mm. It's not just a job. Yeah, yeah, that's that's exactly right. Exactly. And and I think, you know, it's it's one thing to you know you talk about these call centers and stuff like that that we could call in in help Anybody of other can. people but yeah. you know we we don't I don't and I don't know if it's my bubble of what I've seen but I just don't think there's that you know you can ask for help in helping other people you know what I mean yeah. like you you can <laughs> ask for the help to help somebody else like. Yeah, that isn't sort of, you know, the support network for the support network sort of thing. And so, you know, knowing that we do have these places that we can call and say, look, my friend or my family or somebody in my family Mm. is struggling with this. Where do I go from that? Because I don't know whether it's just an old way of thinking because that could be it as well. But it's just not out there as much, you know, like it's sort of about that person making that step. And it's like, well, how about you kind of not force it it on them, but take it step for them, with them, together, yeah. something yeah. like that. But how many, you know, when we did Philippa's course, what was it, like 20 of us? And mm. as we went round, we were all like, also, so I know this person or I need yes. or I was in and and I imagine that happens at every single course. Absolutely. It's very hard to go through life without having an intimate connection with suicide, yeah. whether it's having suicidal thoughts yourself or maybe attempting suicide whether it's a family member, a friend, a colleague who might have um, have taken their own life, who might have uh, had suicidal thoughts. Unfortunately, you know, most of us will come in contact with suicide mm. and we need to be prepared for that and we need to accept. In many ways, it's a dark but a, a, a part of everybody's life. Yeah. Mm. I wanted yep. to ask you, um, mm. when we're speaking about suicide, um, the language in that we use. So mm. if someone has suicided, that's what you say. You don't say yep. they were successfully or anything like that. Like it's yep. very oh, yeah. important the wording that you use. And I noticed then it, that you said they mm. had taken their own life or attempted. Yep. Why is that so important, Those those words? Well, look, you can you can get too hung up on the degree of importance. It's just we're trying now to use language that is appropriate. Now, if somebody is successful of something, at something, whatever yeah. it is, we think that's fantastic, but there isn't anything successful about suicide. No. Mm-hmm. Yep. If we say that somebody completed suicide, which was an intervening word that we were encouraged to use, mm-hmm. it has the same problem because if you complete something, it's like you get a tick. Yeah. Yep, done yeah. that. But again, it's not what we want, you know. So we try very hard now to use language that is very consistent with what's actually happening. So they attempted to take their own life. They they uh, died by suicide, they suicided, 
using words that are accurate without having to put something else in front of it yeah. to explain it, you know, like they were successful or they completed or they were unsuccessful. Yes. That's just as bad to say somebody was unsuccessful. They didn't die from a suicide attempt. That mm. is a better way. But, look, if you make a mistake and you fall back, as I do still, into using language and I kick myself every time I do it, but, you know, that's okay. People will not, you know, will not change their their thinking about you or won't change the outcome. It's just we're trying to make this shift into things that are realistic. Mm. The key reason for that or one of the reasons is that most people don't want to die. That's one of those myths around suicide, that people want to die. The reality is that most people want an end to what they're living through. Yes, they want whatever that happens to be. Yes, yes. If there was another way that they could think of to stop that, then they would possibly take that option up. Yeah. But remember what I said about that black tunnel? Mm. For people who are considering suicide, sometimes they can't think of any other way to stop the pain. The, the distress, the shame, whatever is leading up to that, the thoughts of suicide, they can't think of another way. And so we need to, to give people that opportunity to see that there might be other alternatives to suicide that will help to end or to relieve some of that distress because it's the distress that leads to suicide unimaginable distress for most of us yeah Mm. which can come from a million different sources Mm. yeah it does become like this tunnel though doesn't it you know like and you think somebody who's having those thoughts they're not thinking of those around them or even just the the repercussions of I don't know if this is the right word of how it happens um Mm -hmm. my brother-in-law drives trucks yes and the amount of times that people see a big machine, but they don't actually think of the driver, think of the it. person, yep. you know, and yep. and yep. just the parts of the stories that sometimes get shared, you're like, "Good lord!" Mm. and and that's the thing; it's a big machine, yeah. And people think, "Oh, truck," yeah, exactly. But they're not thinking about, you know, that person's got a a family at home, or yeah. you know, could have a person my age or you know yeah. something like that and you just think there's so many people affected by it yeah. but it obviously mm. just becomes such a strong tunnel oh exactly and and the like you say they can't see that you know and I feel for them and, and I can see yeah, yeah. that you're feeling for them too when you're yeah. saying this is you know I feel the poor buggers they can't see any of the other logical things that you yeah. and I or somebody else would see and that's, right. that's where you have to give that compassion and yeah Yes, and, and sometimes people actually believe that they're doing, that they are taking their own lives for other people's yes. benefits. Yes. Mm. They will be better off without me. They think now, they're doing your as service. As you've just pointed out, that's yeah. probably not true. Yeah. But because of that restricted problem solving, that restricted um, ability to see alternatives, they may well think that they're helping their family. Their kids will be better off without them. Yes. They don't need me 
you know, I'm just I'm just a burden. Yeah. Mm. And burden is a perception that often is not true. Yes, definitely. You know, but again, when you're in the depths of depression and despair, that's what you tell yourself. I'm a burden. Yeah. Oh, and that mind chatter just goes around and around and around and it just yep. it pushes every little just bit escalate. of ounce of of life mm. out of you. And if you've ever been around somebody who is, you know, hitting rock bottom and, and when that's actually happening, it it you can see that they are not they're not taking it out on you. They're, they're no. so within themselves of the please God, why me, the wondering and all those sort of things. They're, they're so much within their own bodies. They don't know. You know, you could say there's a red car there and they won't see that red car, you know. They don't mm. see everything around them and that's the biggest thing that we're really trying to break the stigma of and, and, and get out yeah. there yep. is they don't yep. see what you or I would see with our own eyes. Yes. Yes. So people, people um, sometimes believe that they're doing the right thing. Mm. Yeah. For everybody else's benefit, but as you will know from the consequences of other people's suicide, that it's devastating for the family. Yeah. It's devastating for the friends. There can be severe trauma afterwards as people try to work out what did I miss. What could I have done? Yes. You know, that um, people can go on to develop their own mental health problems and even go on to consider suicide themselves and maybe end up taking their own lives as a consequence. So there are severe repercussions for suicide that percolate, particularly in small communities because everybody is affected. Yeah, yeah. And those ripples can go through the community. And that's why after a a suicide, it's really important for the community to pull together, not to blame, not to say, why didn't you, what happened there, but to pull together to provide that mutual support that, again, is non-judgmental, that accepts that everybody is trying to do the right thing. What do you say to somebody when, you know, unfortunately there has been a suicide and, you know, say that I was to come to you and say, why didn't I see this? What did I do wrong? What, you know, why didn't I do more? Like what? Yes, the whys are the (laughs) – I heard one. somebody once said that when we stop asking why, we can start moving forward. Mm. Isn't that the best thing you've heard all day? Yes, that's so true. Because sometimes there is no reason that we can identify. Mm-hmm. We can only go on what we know now. Having done the first aid course, yeah. people often say, oh, God, I wish I knew this before because I could have done so much more. Well, that's possible, but you didn't. So you can't yeah. blame yourself for what you didn't know. Exactly. All and- you can do is take your knowledge now and move forward with it. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And you're not going to have taken in the course like we did if you haven't had those experiences to go, yeah, right. oh, this happened, should I have said this or should I have because yep. you've got that experience under your belt. Yeah, you've got that personal connection yeah, to it. Yeah. So, of course, you're going to see the the whole yes. experience of the course yes. in a different light because you're going to say, hang on a minute, yeah. this, is where, this mm. is where it's going. Mm. Yeah. 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 The great thing is once you've got that extra knowledge, 
you know you're going to be able to use it. You're not going to be scared of being in that situation where you're really concerned that somebody may be considering suicide. So, you know, it's what you know now. You can't change the past, as they say. Yeah. You certainly can't predict the future, which may be just as well. Yes, (laughs) gosh, yes. But we can live in the moment and do the right things now. Yeah. Amazing. Mm. Mm, that is so, so how good is how good is mental health first aid? Oh. And it's not just it's not just one course. Like it's not just the suicidal. <laughs> that I mean on the website I was looking before, far yeah. out, you can keep Dude. yourself busy for a long time if you want yeah. to. It's great. Yeah. yeah. The great thing is that, you know, the course itself has been able to grow to meet certain groups of people. So, you know, we have mental health first aid for adults who work with young people because yeah. mental illnesses can look a bit different in a 15 year old yeah. as opposed to a 25 year old or a 55 year old so there is the youth course as the standard course which is the, the the main course and then we've also got a course for older people so people who care for and support so this is looking at your parents yeah your grandparents yeah. the people who um attend you know, the bowls club or whatever, where places where older people um, may congregate. But it's about the looking after the older people in their lives because old age is not equivalent to being depressed. It's not the equivalent to being disabled. It may be for some people, but there's so much that we can do to support old people to have a great life. That's so true. And and I remember looking at the statistics and now I don't know the numbers and I don't want to butcher it either, but I remember looking at that graph that you had on and it was sort of about the different ages and then, you know, where the eps and flows of of a a lifespan goes and at the end it did pop up and I remember going, oh, shit, like it did there and and whether that was because of – whatever the situation was but it, it is something that that really shocked me and surprised me to see that you know you got the teenage years and then you go and we kind of well in our sort of minds we were like oh you can kind of see a teenage and then that looks like probably a marriage breakdown time and yeah. you know you yep. could see these different flows within it and then at the very and then getting end to of the, the life before retirement and then yeah exactly yeah. exactly then just after retirement it was like what you know you've worked all your life this was the time and place to you know at retirement what's happening exactly but so it was a real shock to us both that we saw that in the graph and that's so prevalent with men yeah Mm. women across the lifespan the rate of suicide tends to vary very little it does vary but not a huge amount whereas for young men men in those 40 year age brackets it's very high it comes down a wee bit as you move towards retirement and then it shoots up mm. in the sort of 70, 80 plus. Yeah. But there is lots of things happening yeah. for people, for men in particular. Again, some of it's to do with the masculine stereotype that most yeah. of us carry around with us, whether we know it or not. Yeah. You know, of being a provider of being capable, of being strong and stoic and all those things. Yeah. That those things tend to tend to not be so um readily accessible when you're old when you're in those sort of 70, 80 year age bracket. 
but also there is that loss of capacity, mm, yeah. loss of your network of friends. You know, yes. some of your mates are no longer around, increasing the isolation. So yeah. older men are vulnerable. Mm. Yeah. Are vulnerable. But across the lifespan, look, we're all vulnerable. We don't know what's going yeah, to happen exactly. to us. Exactly. And you know? speaking of the women, you know, we we sort of talked about in the course how um, – Women, obviously, it's not all in the statistics, you know, of how many, uh, and am I saying it right in saying attempted suicides there mm-hmm. is? Because how yep. could you get a statistic on that when people can try and do it without, yeah, you know, not going to tell everyone, yeah. not going to tell everyone, right? So we don't yep. always know, but it was really interesting to me to see, you know, us talking about how men are a lot more violent in the way that they do yeah. it. So it does. Happen, yeah. Whereas, like it can be counted because it's it, uh, it's a hospital yeah, visit, exactly. Sort of but yep, then yep. the amount of women is still quite high. We are just not as harsh in our way of doing it. It's, yeah, I mean there are lots of there are lots of reasons why the statistics show that men are more likely to die from suicide mm. than women are, um, and one aspect is the lethality of the method used, but. Generally speaking, people use the method that is available to them, that they have some familiarity with. And so for women who tend to be more likely to have medical assistance with various complaints, they're more likely to have access and be familiar with medications and therefore an overdose. Yeah. Men are more likely to have and be familiar with other things, Mm. um, like mechanical things. Yes, yes. So they're more likely to use those things because they're familiar with them. Mm. But with the actual attempts of suicide, absolutely right, we have no idea. Well, we have no statistics, but what we believe is that women are probably four to five times more likely to attempt to end their lives than men are. See, that wow. was that was So you shock. turn that graph upside down and you might get an idea of the number of, of people trying to end their own lives. Mm, wow. But not actually dying. Yes. And some of oh. some of that is due to the method that's used. Mm. And we, we have no idea. The intent is still there. Yes. The yes. desperation, the despair yeah. is still there. <laughs> and the need for support is still there. That's right. That's exactly right. And mm. I think, you know, we're talking about statistics and they're great to look back on and go, hang on a minute, open your eyes to a broader range, not just yes. compacted to where you think. Yeah. But the statistics yep. are there for that. But it does also mean that to everybody, we should be having these conversations. Yeah, you know, and absolutely. being open to. Yes, yes. Best, best thing is ask open-ended questions and shut up. Mm. Yep, you've got two Listen. ears and one mouth for a reason. Yes. Exactly. Yep. Yep. <laughs> you know, listening is really, really important, and then being curious because your curiosity will lead you to ask another question, which yeah. will then lead the person to think a bit more deeply about what they've just said. Yeah. So tell me a bit more about that. I don't quite understand 
what you meant by that. Can you explain that more? Yeah. Because people often don't even give themselves those deep opportunities for thinking things through. That's so true. Wow. So true. And it just, it just like you say, it makes you go deeper into that and go, oh, hang on a minute, is that actually true? Yep. Yep. Wow. Yep. <sighs> and, then, <sighs> and then what can we do? Yeah. What can we do? Yeah. When you're talking to women, women like help, they want to get help. They want to find the right people to help. Men want to take action. Yeah. Mm. They want to sort this problem out. They mm. want to get to the get to the nuts and bolts. Wow. So with with your men, it's a question of let's fix this. Let's sort it out. Yeah, you gotta work on your Let's words. go find the right people yep. to, to get through this. Yeah. Mm. Mm. Wow. You're going so to the same people. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. But you change but your how, yeah, it's how you get there. Wow. So true. There. That mm. is brilliant. How good is mental health first aid? Yes, and you can see, you know, we spent 55 minutes talking about the importance of it realistically, haven't we? <laughs> like that is so good. So where mm. can people find you for a course? Yes. Oh, okay. Oh, okay. <laughs> um, <laughs> she's like, geez, wasn't ready for that. <laughs> no. <laughs> Um, well, basically, I, I tend to work for organisations and community groups. So they they will contact me and say, can we have a course on such and such? We mentioned the youth, the standard and the adult course. But as you know, we do short courses as well. Mm, yeah. So we've got the suicide um, intervention course, which you did. We've also got one on um, on non-suicidal self-injury, which can be quite an issue for young people. Yeah. Um, and that's again, is one where there's lots of stigma and lots of misunderstanding about non-suicidal self-injury. We've got one on gambling, and that can be quite uh, a problem in some rural areas as well. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and so there are a range of different short courses. that people can do to extend their knowledge or if it's just that they've only got a limited amount of time. But one of the great things that COVID has done, I mean, there's not much, but one of the good (laughs) things that COVID's done is that some courses, the basic courses, the the standard course and the youth course are now available online. Yeah, fantastic. Now, I personally don't feel that they're as good as the face-to-face, but when it's not possible to go face-to-face, there's a blended course which is um, five to seven hours of self-paced online learning and then a four-hour face-to-face final part. Yeah. Or the whole thing can be done online where, again, you've got that five to seven hours of self-paced learning and then two, two-and-a-half-hour face-to-face on Zoom. On Zoom. Oh, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. to you- finish the course off. You're so right because there's conversations, you know, in the mix of group of people that were at our course, you know, we were a bunch of hairdressers and then there were some school teachers there. There was all these random people, different different people, just even mums with with high school age kids that wanted to be ready and and employers of different people. Like there was such a broad range and at least when you are face-to-face, so I totally agree with something like this, yeah, the Do conversation you can. that happens within everybody. But, but the conversation that happens within it where yeah. you can answer a question that, you know, will come up is such an important thing mm. as well. Yeah, 
Yeah. Look, in an ideal world, they would all be face to face. Yeah. But, you know, we don't live in an ideal world and we are so lucky to have these other options available to us. But basically, if you want to contact me, just go. um, I don't have a website. I'm not that fancy. But but I do have an email address and I do have a telephone number. So you can, I can be contacted that way. But all that information is there on the Mental Health First Aid website. Yeah. Oh, beautiful. So you can go onto that First Aid website, look up, find an instructor. Yes. And you can put my name in or you can say I'm in this, you know, I'm in Queensland, who's in Queensland? Because there are quite a, a large number of instructors around who can provide courses. So it's not limited just to me. There are other people around. It does get harder when you're in rural and remote areas, I know, which is one of the reasons I like to to travel. Yeah. Yeah. Because I get to all these wonderful places like Claremont. I do enjoy coming to Claremont. (laughs) I've been there a few times now. Um, But, you know, there are still people who can provide that. And, of course, the online service doesn't matter where you are. Yeah, so, that's exactly yeah. right. And I think there's, there's a point there. of just getting it done, right? Yeah. Like just getting yep. in that space and going, you know what, Absolutely. for the people around me, for my employees, for, for whatever it seems to be, mm. that's – Everyone need to who's it. a human being. Right? Yeah, ex- exactly. Absolutely. That's exactly right. Absolutely. Yeah. Yep. We'll yeah. put yep. all the links on the on the notes. Yes, exactly. So we can have them. people Brilliant. will be able to find you. Yeah. And can I, can I just suggest also yeah. that you put the suicide callback service number there? Oh, sure. I love that. Obviously, yes. Lifeline yes. and Beyond Blue. But there's also another um, online service um, called Head to Health. Mm-hmm. Okay. Now, Head to Health, it's a government um, service, but it provides a lot of information about online assessment and treatment and support options right. that people might find more useful. Because obviously, in rural areas, it's a little harder to get the contacts with face-to-face and there is one in particular called mental health e online mental health online Mm -hmm. it's run through Swinburne University so it's very well credentialed very well evidence-based and that's not a bad place to start as well so they have lots of things for people to get information to get assessments and oh, to get treatment options as well. Oh, that's fantastic. Oh, I'm writing all this free. down. And yes. it's free. So go online and have a look yourself yes. uh, and then see what there. you think. Yeah. Mm. But the technology is there. People don't need to be as isolated physically as they have been in the past. Oh, we do have other options now. Beautiful. Mm. Oh, yeah. my goodness. And of course, it's all confidential. Yes. That's Nobody exactly right. knows. Yes. And that can be a huge thing too. Yeah, mm. oh, definitely. Absolutely. Definitely. Mm. Yes. Gosh, yeah. Thank you so much. Philippa, oh, it you. has been an absolute pre- pleasure. So that's for sure. I've got like a whole page yes. of notes. Yes. Thank <laughs> you so, so much. My pleasure. Thanks for joining us for this episode of YDP. We hope you found comfort in listening to relatable stories from the heart. We drop a new episode every Tuesday and Friday. And if you want to keep up to date, make sure you check out our socials on Facebook and Insta.